the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Partners in the Gospel. I'm Mark Skolberg, your host, and thanks so much for joining us, especially in this interesting time in our country. And I am with Dr. Jeff Myers. He is the um, the president of um, Summit Ministries here in Manitou Springs. We've had him on the air before. Jeff, thanks for being with us today. Hey, Mark. Great to be on your show. We are going to talk about his new book, Unquestioned Answers, Rethinking Ten Popular Christian Clichés to Rediscover the Truth of the Bible. But before we dive into the content of the book, um, why don't you pray for us, all things considered, of what's happening locally and globally? I'd be happy to. Father in heaven, we make this declaration based on your word that we will not live in fear. Mm. We are called to be wise, and we pray that you'd give us wisdom in abundance. James says if we lack wisdom, that you will give it abundantly. And that's what we want, wave after wave of abundant wisdom. Mm. But I pray that our perspective would be to see reality as you see it, not through the information that presents itself to our senses. Mm. And that in doing that, we might be able to lead in these times, that we might be able to bring comfort and courage to our society in this critical moment. Mm -hmm. Father, we want to be like Esther, called to a royal position for such a time as this. We pray it in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Mm. Thank you, Jim. Thank you so much. Uh, hey, you know, when was the last time, we asked our listener, was the last time you heard from someone to use a Christian cliche like love the sinner, hate the sin, or just have faith? Uh, and But do those cliches along with a lot of other ones. Uh, and speaking of our what's happening in our country, people could say, oh, uh, this too will pass. You know, what, 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 what is that about, right? And so there's a lot of cliches that people have that think about uh, in the Christian culture that's just not really biblical. And um, in, in this new book, Unquestioned Answers, Rethinking 10 Christian Cliches to Rediscover Biblical Truth, really kind of talks about that very thing, addressing these cliches that so, has been commonly accepted. And, uh, you know, the book's coming out, or is it just out now? It's just out now. Just out yep. now. Yeah, that's published, right. Published right here for, by Cook um, Perfectly timed along with a global pandemic. No kidding. <laughs> Whoa. But I'm going to just refer to a couple endorsements that, that I think are significant endorsements. Here's one from Eric Metaxas. There is nothing worse than Christians not thinking Christianly. Believing and repeating sloppy religious cliches hurts the cause of the one who has called us to love him with our whole minds. Here's a quote from John 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 Street, who is the president of the Colson Center for Christian Worldview. Sometimes cliches catch on because they're true, but more often they catch on because they're easy, but poor substitutes for truth. Unquestioned answers a friendly, thoughtful call to reject faith, deadening cliches, and embrace the robust truth of Scripture. And lastly, Jeff, just a quote from both of our friends here, former senior pastor from um, Woodman Valley Chapel here, Matt Hurd. 
This is what Matt said. Simplistic Christian platitudes can often do more harm than good, not because they are mistaken, but because they are misleading. The tragic result minimizes the mysterious beauty of the gospel and dilutes its life-giving truth. So there you have it. So let's uh, – great endorsements, Jeff, you know? It's amazing how many how many believers really uh, have, have accepted this call to go deeper, to go below the surface. You know, and as, as you and I have shared before, we're called mm-hmm. to be fishers of men. Absolutely. Nobody ever caught a fish skimming along the surface of the lake. <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you have to be willing to put your hook and your bait down a little deeper. And, and, and that's what our society needs. So I, I coined this term. I, at least I think I coined it. Mm-hmm. You know, in the age of Google, nobody ever really coins anything, right? But it's, uh, I coined this term simplicism. I saw that. That I, yeah. that I distinguish from simplicity. Simplicity mm-hmm. is, you know, the Marie Kondo, uh, you know, we're going to simplify our lives right. and, and, and living in a less complicated uh, house is, is a good thing. It's a virtue. But simplicism mm. is when we make the assumption that something really isn't true unless it is easy to understand and summarize. Mm-hmm. So think bumper stickers. Right. Right. So when somebody puts a bumper sticker, they're, they're doing two things really. First, they're, they're saying, I don't have to think any deeper about this than what I'm putting on the sticker. And second, I blast that sticker on there so you know that this issue is settled and we don't need to talk about it anymore. <laughs> I can shield I can shield myself from anybody else's opinions. You're right. Right? Right. But it, it, and yes. in, on the surface, it gives us confidence, but below the surface, it confuses people and it isolates us from opening the conversation. True. As Christians, no. we need to be the ones to open up. Yeah. Rather than close down the conversation. Well said. I, maybe this helps somebody. Maybe it doesn't. Maybe it complicates it. But kind of picking up from what you just said, that's why I've never. I've been hesitant for uh, twenty plus years not putting any bumper sticker on my car. When I was a newer believer, I'd slap them on there. You know. <laughs> in fact, one of them says, "I believe that settles it for me." I just saw that yesterday on a car. I haven't seen it in twenty five years. But let's just start right there, if you don't mind. Sure. You know, that phrase, "I believe that settles it for me." Speak on, my friend. Yeah, so so this is one I heard when I was a child. God said it. I believe it. That settles it for me. Um, did God speak? Yes. Does that settle the issue? Yes. But where does that that unquestioned answer is what I call it? Mm-hmm. Where does it go wrong? It, right. it makes it about me. It does. I am the one who decides whether it makes sense to me. Exactly. Right. And so God's word is not about about me. It's about God and That's what good. He has done. And once I stop taking that self-centered perspective, then I can see that Jesus Christ is my Savior, but he also offers me a framework for understanding all of reality. Mm-hmm. And, and, and an interesting thing that, you know, I've studied a lot of religious books and uh, hundreds, and I can tell you that the, the Bible stands alone Absolutely. in its call for examination and study, but also for questioning. No, absolutely. There are religious books in the world that say, you know, you should doubt what is in these pages. That's just not the way a religious book is usually written. But Scripture says, examine it, be careful, study to show yourself approved, be ready to understand and defend it. That's unique. 
Yep. And and we don't want to mask that through a simple cliche. Yeah, and I think that's why the, you know the the relevancy of the book and questioned answers as opposed to answers unquestioned. <laughs> if right. it was flipping mm-hmm. around, you know, I think of that latter part of the Gospel of Matthew where after the resurrection, he Jesus appeared to some of them and it said some worshipped him and some doubted. So it's okay to ask questions, but I think the the, the relevancy of this conversation is you know re- responding to to cliches that we think are true biblically, and that's kind of the goal of the book. And I would assume that. That brings some some consternation in certain people's hearts, you know, because I think if there's some serious problems that unquestioned answers can cause, what would it be? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, first of all, it it gives us a, I think it gives us a sense of shame. Mm-hmm. If 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 I have a if if I hear a sermon and mm-hmm. the pastor summarizes something and everyone goes, "Ooh, oh, that's good. I'm going right. to write that down." Mm-hmm. And and I realize, wait a second, that that should be the starting point of our conversation rather than the ending point. And if I don't go along with the crowd, I start to feel a sense of shame. What am I missing here? Mm-hmm. One of the cliches that I deal with in the book is is one that I I often heard in church growing up, where the pastor would say, God is good, and the people would shout all the time. And then the pastor would say, all the time, and the people would respond enthusiastically, God is good. And, and it is an affirmation that it many times in my life has washed, the truth of it has washed over me and helped me reaffirm what is really real mm-hmm. because what the information that presents itself to my senses has to be interpreted. Do I interpret it by my own internal compass or it's do good. I interpret it by God's word? Mm-hmm. So I understand that aspect of it. But at that moment, Mark, when I was hearing that I was in a really deep, okay. dark place. Okay. And, and when, and I, I remember sitting there thinking, boy, if there's somebody else here who is like this, this is not good. We should not be leading with this. No, I agree. We need to be leading with the conversation. That's good. That's good. Not by saying, you know, when we we will somehow make reality different than mm. what it is by mm. shouting things out in church. You know, speaking of that, maybe this is relevant to the listener. Um, I think I told you before, Jeff, and maybe some of our listeners remember me saying this. I, I have not talked about it much, but I'm a chaplain, a volunteer chaplain at one of the prisons in um, Kansas City, the second biggest prison in Colorado, 2,000 guys, right? But, you know, someone will say something like that, God is good, God is good all the time. Well, in the context of the, what these guys are in, some life or some, you know, serious stuff, uh, obviously, um, that's pretty simplistic. And that's that's a tough pill if somebody is there saying, I'm really hurting for all the above reasons, be it inside or out of a prison. Um, when you make a statement like that, what does that actually mean? Yeah. Let me, let me affirm, mm-hmm. I absolutely believe that God is... Is good. No, absolutely. And and I and that is the clear teaching of Scripture. Absolutely. But I I'm in my world mm-hmm. because I I live in Manatee Springs, mm-hmm. which, you know, little hippie town. And, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm really a minority as a person in evangelical with right. conservative beliefs. Yeah. But uh, I travel to college campuses, and so I'm meeting people all of the time who are skeptics. And let me tell you something: most skeptics are not doubting God's godness, they're doubting his goodness. Yes, that's good. Right? So so instead of just saying, well, God is good, you need to grapple with that, yes. I need to say, wow, it sounds like you've had a really hard experience. How did you arrive at that conclusion? Yes. What's your story? I don't think we need to be as quick to shut down the conversation. I mean, that's what happens in the world. If you're in a campus and everything is politically correct, the whole point of it is to shut down the conversation so nobody has to think uncomfortable thoughts. Mm -hmm. As Christians, we need to – we can – I mean, you could be light just by opening up the conversation, Mark, rather than shutting it down. Now, as a chaplain, 
you know this all of the time, right? The you, the guys you're dealing with are in prison. They are, you know, they're wearing a uniform. Everybody knows it's right there on the surface. And so all of the surfacey stuff you can skip over, right? Mm-hmm. You can say, how are you really doing? Yes. What is really going on? Right. You can get right down, and, I, and that's yeah, where we should be. As right, and I think that those conversations for me is when they have an appointment with the chaplain in the office. I'm not going to do it in a public setting like I had on Sunday with 200 guys. I'm not going to walk up there and say, oh, by the way, I have this question about this cliche. But, you know, when when I think about cliches, um, why, why do you suppose – and maybe you already said it, Jeff why, – why Christians accept these cliches? Maybe they just grew – you know, without question. Uh, you know, maybe it's like uh, it's not my place to judge, which is a big one today. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, I was at an event recently before events were canceled, and and, <laughs> and uh, I asked the group. I said, "I've got these ten cliches that I could speak on. Which one would you want to hear about?" Right. And ev- there was everybody in the audience said, "That's the one we want to hear about." Okay. That it's not my place to judge. Right. All right. <clears throat> so the the underlying assumption of that question, "It's not my place to judge," is that it is my judgment that. Anybody else's judgment should not affect me, and my judgment should not affect them. It it it's actually creating this bizarre, right. almost carnival-like atmosphere around the whole idea of, <laughs> of truth. Right? Right. It's like if I were to say there is no truth, well, I'm proclaiming the truth that there is no truth. Right. right? right. It's to mess around with language in a way that doesn't make sense. So hmm. here's here's the situation. Anybody who's listening right now, I want you to imagine a triangle. All right. And on one side of the lower the lower part of the triangle, put the word aggressor. Okay. And then on the other bottom corner, put mm-hmm. the word avoider. Okay. Most people are aggressors or they are avoiders. Aggressors are the you know, so and so said something on campus and you know, and, and then this person responded and will leave you speechless or whatever. You know, it's just kind of that clickbait sort of if I can um if I can use my words to shame you and make you shut up, I have somehow done something good for the world, right? <laughs> right. The avoider yeah. is, well, you have your truth, I have my truth, mm-hmm. who is, you know, who's to say, it's not my place, all of those kinds of things. Right. At the top of the triangle, I want you to write down the word advocate. Good. Advocate. We need to be an advocate for the other person and for the truth. That's good. And if you tie those two things That's together, good. oh, just That's good. a sigh of relief that mm. tough conversations are okay. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, it's all right if we don't wrap everything up. I mean, you're not going to close the sale the first conversation, right? right? It's, it's just opening it up rather than closing it down. So do you th- – because you made that contrast between the aggressor and the avoider, when it comes to judgment or, you know, I'm, I'm not here to judge or it's not my place to judge, but yet Scripture tells us quite some, something quite differently that has that perspective of having the best in mind for that God, what God has to say, but also for the person that's the receiver. Of, of course, right. So if you're, if you're an advocate for the person, then you recognize that the relationship that you have with them is going to be the basis for them hearing any truth. All right. Then you also have you have truth at Summit Ministries in our two week programs. We help the students see that as a DNA double helix. That's good. Right. The truth and relationship always intertwine together. And my goal is to put rungs in the ladder between truth and the relationship. But, Mark, I'm doing that most of the time by asking questions mm, that's good. rather than making statements, because mm. people will try to you know, get you on paper. Do you 
do you think that gays are going to hell? You know, those kinds of questions are, and, and, right. and people say, well, you know, I'm, you know, I can't, yeah, I can't really judge. It's so simple, Mark. All you have to do is stop and say, wait a second. Okay. Tell me, what do you mean by gay? When you use that term, mm-hmm. you know, what do you mean? Mm-hmm. And, and what is your understanding of who deserves hell? Does anybody deserve hell? Does Adolf Hitler deserve hell? It's who a, who deserves hell? Yeah, it's a larger question. Right, because if I'm really looking at the scriptural teaching and not trying to use myself as yes. the arbiter of whether it's mm-hmm. true, mm-hmm. I realize that I'm a whole lot closer to Adolf Hitler than I am to Jesus Christ, mm. and I need Grace. rescuing. Absolutely. Yeah, so this, behind certain statements are other questions that people don't get, get answered. Uh, like that kind of a question. Yes. Uh, in the prison context, you know, it's, it has a PC piece to it inside. It has a military hierarchy kind of um, form of leadership, if you will, good or bad. And uh, But this one guy who is a, a transgender person, um, I, I just happened to be picked. Uh, the chaplains were going through uh, 1 Corinthians, and I just happened to be in chapter 6 about sexual immorality. <laughs> and I made a couple of st- mm-hmm. statements that morality is not determined by what's legal, but what God has to say about it. And so this guy walked up to me, and he, he looks like a female, right? And he just said, hey, I just want you to know I believe the Bible, and I'm not a male or a female. I'm just an it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that was his comment. There was a lot of pain behind that comment. Mm-hmm. I've opened the door to say, hey— why don't you just you know put a get an appointment with me and we'll have a conversation? Mm-hmm. I've had conversations with some of those people, and I've asked them this question. I said, "Well, let me ask you. You know, Scripture says that when you come to Christ, you're a new creation, and all things become new. Um, how has things become new for you? Mm-hmm. You know, oh. and, and sometimes that opens up the door to say, well, you know, I'm not. I don't want to get into the details of those conversations, but but that the question opens up the door to really examine what they have said or what they always thought or what they've been told the bill of goods." Mm-hmm. You know, at Summit, we like to teach students five conversation-altering words. Tell me more about that. Mm. That's good. So I would lead – you know, I lead with that in that that kind of a situation. Mm. I've had a lot of students say I don't don't really relate to uh, gender or a a male or female. Uh, I've got to start by asking what do you – what do you understand male and female to be? Mark? I've worked with thousands of kids, thousands, and probably 10% of them struggle with same-sex attraction or you know, sexual-type issues. Mm-hmm. Never. There hasn't been a single one of them that mm-hmm. ever started with a biblical understanding of male and female. Right. They always just start with some cultural stereotype. That's good. Yeah, that's so true. So I have yeah. to ask the question mm-hmm. to see, what, what, you know, what are you thinking? When you think of male or female, what are you even thinking of? Mm-hmm. And then dig into so. You know, are you talking about science? Are you talking about right. chromosomes? Are yep. you talking about perceptions? All of those things. So this cliche is not my place to judge. Like you said, it was the prominent response of questions that people wanted you to respond to in the context you mentioned. Um, uh, but yet Scripture is asking us to be discerning. It's asking us to ask questions about what we believe and why we believe it. Scripture makes it clear that there is such a thing as good and there is such a thing as evil and that we are called to be discerning. Um, discernment is the art of being able to know the difference between what is good and bad and to prefer what is good and, and what is genuine, to reject the counterfeit. Yeah, and didn't Jesus say judge with righteous judgment? Now, of course, then that opens up a question, what does that mean, right? Well, I think you you start <laughs> – at Summit, we start with the Bible, right? So if, if I lead with my cliche mm, – That's good. 
then I'm, I'm, I'm cutting off conversation at the very moment when it could be the most profoundly life changing. Yeah. So if I'm I'm not going to teach about gender without going back to Genesis, no, right. Genesis one, Genesis two, Genesis three, mm-hmm. the book of Proverbs, you know, First Corinthians, where the Apostle Paul talks about it. Yeah, you know, uh, one of your endorsements I remember was Christopher Yan. I interviewed him as well in his book. And yeah. talking about uh, a former uh, person who came in out of a gay lifestyle and starts with the Bible as opposed to the other cliche or the other uh, PC language that you, know, you start with that. You, you were, then you have to come back and defend yourself, I guess, in a way. But, you know, when, yeah. I, when I think about the subject matter we're talking about, when I think about the concept of faith, misunderstood by both Christians and non-Christians, speak to that for a moment. And what do you – tell, uh, me, it, tell well, me more about that. <laughs> well, maybe said, well, you just got to have faith. Oh, you know, right, people right. could just say, like, yeah. like right now, mm-hmm. I'm hearing that on on some of the networks. You know, yeah. you just got to have faith. Well, faith in who or what? Right. I mean, right. faith in just my my positivity, or you know, a faith in in my um, you know positive mentality. I mean, what is you know, yeah. you know what yeah. I'm saying? Well, just have faith is one of the cliches that I talk about right. in the book Unquestioned Answers, and and I talk about it because I, I years ago I was speaking in, on a in a church, and and I put a quotation by Mark Twain up on the screen just so I could put it up there and then refute it. And Mark Twain said, faith is believing what you know ain't so. (laughs) I've heard it. And and, uh, as soon as I was starting to refute it, a lady shouted out from the audience, amen. (laughs) And I started thinking, oh, brother, I could hear people laughing. They're they're like, oh, so what is he going to do now? The speaker is now in in this tough spot. And I said, Mm. before you Mm. really – um, put your stamp of approval on that. Let me show you something about this quotation that makes me a little uncomfortable. Mm, mm. And then I explained that, you know, according to Richard Dawkins and Steven Pinker and others who talk about issues of faith from a critical standpoint against Christianity, right. we need to understand that faith is not believing what you know ain't so. Right. Faith is believing what you have good reason to, to believe, believe is mm. true. Right on. Um, but I do have a bone to pick with the, the idea of just when people say just have faith. Faith, okay. because scripturally, faith is not something you have; mm. it's something you live. Right, right. There, I, I only, I, I mean, I looked through a lot of scripture passages. I could only find one where Jesus said, "Have faith." And if you look at the context of it, what he's saying is, "Have faith in in God, Absolutely. not have faith in yourself, no. or just right. you know, just believe, and then things will come true that are otherwise false." Is not the biblical understanding of faith. Big difference between self confidence and God confidence, and there's a lot of self confidence out there being thrown out for a lot of different reasons. <laughs> right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So you know, when you think about it, we want guys. Time is flying by. We'd like to have this conversation in, in another time as well. But you know, the, coming back to that judgment piece, you know, there's uh, you talk about six actions and attitudes that can help us communicate truth. Without mm. being judgmental, you might not have the time to address all six or speak to them, but what would be a, a simple way people could grab that when they're, when they're in a conversation with someone? Mm. I think the first thing, Mark, is you've just got to begin asking questions. Okay. And and I know interviews are always – they always – for me, they go by very quickly. Mm. I should just mention mm-hmm. unquestionedanswers.com is a website where you can find videos and supporting resources and discussion questions as well as how to get the book Unquestioned Answers. But on the site, you'll find that there are videos on there about how to ask good questions that I think is at the heart of it. So I would teach people, you know, those five conversation altering words, tell me more about that. And then when people say, make some kind of a claim about what they think is true. Okay. What do you mean by that? Do you think that's the whole story? 
How did you arrive at that conclusion? How do you know that's true? Mm. Are you open to the possibility that could be di- that it could be different than the way you're looking at it? Okay. Uh, I, I can tell you, I can tell you a story uh, about this. Just a, f- a friend in Manitou Springs, very strong, committed, new spiritualist, and in the process of uh, talking this through, she was talking about her meditation techniques, and then she asked me, "How do you see this?" Right, and so I just I was able to give a mm. reply and say, "This Good. is I understand God is a person." And not just a force. And it led into another conversation mm. that wasn't just me ignoring it right. or wasn't me saying, no, 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 you've got it all wrong. Let me tell you how it is. Yeah. Open up that door with a question. Yes. You know, again, I want to refer to the book, Unquestioned Answers. It's uh, published by Cook, Rethinking 10 Christian Cliches to Rediscover Biblical Truths. And um, give us that website one more time where they can look, look at the videos and yeah. learn Unquestioned, more about the I mean, in tough times, it's more critical than ever that Christians learn to think well. Nobody else is. Everybody else is reacting in panic. Right. It's chaos. Christians need to be the ones to lead the way. Absolutely. Hey, we want to do this again, Jeff. And so I want to encourage our listeners to look at 100.7, the word KGFT's uh, Facebook post. I send that out, you know, before these interviews each week to let you know when the second part of this interview is going to continue. And But we want to thank you. Once again, get the website one more time. Unquestionedanswers.com. That's pretty simple. But Jeff, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely, Mark. Great to be on your show. We do want to thank Jeff Myers from uh, Summit Ministries here in, right here in Manitou Springs. And we want to thank you for joining us, as always, for Partners in the Gospel. I want to invite you to continue listening with my good friend Gina Geraci right after this in a moment. But Again, go to the Facebook page, and if you have any other questions you've missed somehow in this interview, you can simply call 531-5438 for more information. But again, thanks for joining us on Partners in the Gospel. We'll see you next week at the same time right here at 430 every Thursday on 100.7 The Word.